really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. I love to do this. It's funny when I, it's not funny, but it kind of was. When I got back from the trip that I was on for work, he had asked me a couple times, will you come? And I was so sick and so tired that I couldn't do it. And I knew something was wrong. For me, he knows. For me to say no, I mean, I will, I will crawl out in the middle of the night if somebody says, will you speak about Jesus? I'm glad to do it. And I thought, what in the world is going on? But it, it's kind of good in this past week as I was putting this together that appreciation comes back. The, the appreciation of the opportunity to just say, you know, publicly, I, I love Jesus. I appreciate Jesus. I am so glad he's a part of my life. I'm so glad he's changed my life in so many ways. But to have an opportunity to stand here and tell you that, I don't take it for granted. So anyway, that's just me. I won't get upset yet. I'll save that for a few minutes. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> what makes faith powerful? What makes your faith powerful? I can't tell you how many people that I've encountered along the way, even when I went to the doctor a week or so ago, and there was a guy there and a physical therapist, and we had the talking about Jesus, and, and he said, yeah, you know, he's, he's like everybody else, you know, all the gods talk about peace and love and kindness and patience, and I thought to myself, where have you been? Have you not been watching the news? Because there's not a whole lot of love, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. No, it's I, me, mine, what am I going to get, what have you done for me lately, it, and that, that thought process that they're all the same. So what's the differentiator? What is it that sets it apart? The minute you say, I accept you as Lord and personal Savior, what is it that sets it apart that makes it powerful? You should know the answer, but I'll save that. <laughs> the world is happy with the illusion of power. They love get you all wound around the axle. You're afraid of everything. All of a sudden, there's fear in your heart about even going into Walmart when you hear people say, watch the door on the way in, know your ways out. That's the world we're in right now. That's just the realities of where we are. And, and honestly, as believers getting outnumbered, if we are not careful, if, we're not, if we don't get active in sharing our faith, if we don't start letting people know we're confident in who we believe in and we're proud of it, we're not ashamed of it, more and more and more of this stuff happens. And out of fear, people start going, well, wow, that, that is powerful. Look at all these things that are going on. But that's, that's not where we are today. We are really easily enticed. Between the screen time on the Internet and the screen time with the iPad and the screen time with the TV, we all do it. It, it is our relief moment. We find those, those places or shows that we love to engage in. And somewhere in the middle of all those shows, even when you, it's really funny, even when you can fast forward through the commercials, you still see them. And they know, have you noticed now there's this weird thing going on where a commercial will come on and it'll be on for like four seconds and then it'll switch to the next commercial? And you think to yourself, well, that must have been a mistake. No, your brain already filled in the rest. You didn't have to play the other 50 seconds because in that five to seven seconds, you already knew what the commercial was. Isn't that weird? Anyway, we're easily enticed by the illusions, the promises, the, 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 the happiness that comes in a fleeting moment, the, the provision of greatness, how you can become greater than someone else. Like I've been watching that Spartan show. Any of you guys watching that? All these people running around, crawling through the mud. They're going to be the world's best. And you're just looking at them going, Advil, Tylenol, Ice Pack. I mean, I, I know that, that when I got done, that, that, that illusion of grandeur is pretty well followed up by Ace Bandage. I get that. 
But, but we watch that stuff and it somehow makes us feel like maybe my life could be more interesting if I did more, if there was something else I was doing, if, if I were approaching it in a greater capacity. But what I found recently is this big change. It says, uh, it's all just a phone call away. We know that. You've heard me talk about that. But have you heard this line recently? It's a new one. What, you, what are you waiting, waiting for? Avoid disappointment and future regret order today. Have you heard that yet? Avoid disappointment and future regret? That's what they're saying now before the 800 number comes up. And I'm thinking to myself, wow. All right, you got, you got guilt, you got condemnation, you got the fear of failure. Now you're telling me I'm going to regret it if I don't buy that $59.99 squeezy thing, whatever it is. Okay, wow. Uh, that's pretty intense. So the messaging everywhere is something different. It's something contrary to what we should know. And we have to constantly battle that messaging with what you know in your heart to be true and not get suckered, for lack of a better way of putting it, into believing that there's a better way, there's an easier way, that, that somehow life is more fulfilling if you just go and do something else. All right, so I like silly science. You guys know that by now, so I hope you don't mind. I think I've shared a little piece of this in the past, but it's something I found, find really interesting. Okay, in 1965, there was this guy who accidentally created something called Zectron. Have you ever heard of Zectron? Ever heard of it? Okay. Well, if you read this right here as his description of Zectron, it's really kind of interesting. The polymerization process begins when uh, unpaired electrons uh, submit or steal another electron from another adjacent component con compound. All this stuff, the sequence of events, blah, 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 long chains of molecules, they become resistant, they become resilient, and then they are vulcanized for strength. I was like, wow, man, that's intense. That is one major thing, but all that really says is he mixed some stuff together, he compressed it, he heated it, voila, a product that did not do what he intended it to do, uh, AKA it was a failure, it was ended up called Zectron, and it's a household product today. And it's a complete failure. And vulcanized, by the way, means you put it in the oven. All right, I have vulcanized some serious stuff in my house, okay? Nicholas will attest, when I go to cook, y'all have heard it, it is the truth, come to my house and see it. When I put it in the oven, I open the door, the dog goes to the back door to get out. It knows, it knows a fire extinguisher or the fire alarm is going off, get me out. But anyway, that's vulcanized, so we've changed the word in our house, I'm gonna vulcanize some pizza, all right? So anyway, it's called Zectron. He was trying to create something that would be a cap over like oil rigs, oil wells, oil using components, but it, it never worked. It was a complete failure. And he was trying to figure out what to do with it. And then one thing led to another, and by that accidental invention, this guy, Norman Stingley, he would touch just about every household in America with his invention. It eventually was, a name was chosen and the way we were choosing the name, they wanted to infer great power. They wanted it to promise its user the opportunity to unleash almost superhuman hidden abilities. That's pretty powerful. What a sales pitch. I copied that from the commercial, 1967. Unleash your superhuman potential. You want some of that, right? Right? Would you like to see? what Zectron is. Do you want to know what it is? Because I had some at work and I'd be glad to show you what it is. I can show you what Zectron is. I even put it in a, my vanity. Right? I can show you. I, I mean, are you sure you can handle this? Because you're going to be absolutely astounded at what Zectron is. 
It's a Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl. Millions of dollars in science, failure after failure. The guy got frustrated every time you used it, the daggone thing bounced. What are we gonna do? How can I cap an oil rig with something that can blow off, put your eye out, and keep going? What are we gonna do? This is Zektron, otherwise known as the Super Bowl. I really like Super Bowls when I'm talking about faith, when I'm talking about God, when I'm talking about what he does in our lives. I love the whole Super Bowl thing. The Zektron, can you see this? 50,000 pounds of compressed energy went into this little teeny weeny thing. 50,000 pounds. I can get near putting 32 PSI in my car and it goes and it scares the stuffing out of me. 50,000? Y'all have heard that noise, haven't you? Miles is laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. When the compressor lets loose, you run. It, it is a snake is uncontrollable. But 50,000 pounds of compressed energy in just this little sphere, all of that right here. The name implies that it's super all on its own. It's super, right? The super. I don't see anything you. Huh? Maybe it's because there's not enough of them. Okay, so maybe if we got a whole bunch of really super things together, right? And we said, all right, there you go. Be super. I don't know. I've never been magical. I don't, I'm not into magicians. I think they're kind of cool. They can do sneaky stuff. Is it anything super about that? Is there anything super about that? No. Because independent of me, choosing to pick it up and choosing to do something with it. It is nothing. It's nothing. It's a failed piece of rubber. Now, if I gotta throw this on the ground really hard, do you expect it to do anything? Do you expect 50,000 pounds compressed in this? Do you expect, when I go really hard, do you expect it to, to do something? In case you doubted it, that was cool, wasn't it? <laughs> wow! Thank you, Jesus! <laughs> That's hilarious. I wouldn't do it again, but I'm not messing that up. <laughs> On its own, it implies it's super. In its advertisement, it says it's super. It tells you all its potential, what it's packed with. But nowhere on the package does it say, bounce it. Nowhere on the package does it say, bounce it. The Super Bowl became a household name. Remember, Super Bowl becomes super when it impacts a hard surface. Its reaction is what makes it great. Sitting still, its potential is never realized. Sitting still, its potential is never realized. And do you realize that if I get a whole bunch of them together, sitting still, it's, their potential is never realized. They're a group of really super capacity objects that do nothing. So what makes faith powerful? 
connection. This right here and this right here are a lot alike. If I never dust this off, pick it up, make it part of my heart, if it isn't out of the abundance of the heart your mouth speak, if scripture doesn't flow from you and you don't have to look it up, you haven't spent enough time. Does that mean you need to know the whole book? I recommend it, but it's hard to do. But there are those verses that sustain us, that become etched in our hearts, that we exercise, that we put into God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Hey, look at that. <laughs> wow. But do you get what I'm saying? I exercise it. And the more I exercise it, the more powerful it gets. And the more I believe it, the harder I throw it. And it's funny, they say, what sold the first Super Bowl, this is a side note, what sold the first Super Bowl was the promise that it would bounce over your house. Now, I have a personal experience with that. Because what it says in the, in the literature is what sold the second Super Bowl was the attempt to try to bounce it over your house. And I'll never forget, we came back from King's. I don't know if y'all remember King's Department Store. That It was a grocery store over on, on uh, Warwick. Daddy had got us a Super Bowl. It was one of the ones like that big around. I got it, got in the driveway. They're still getting the groceries out. I remember to this day, Daddy was fussing, help us get the groceries out, but I had to open the package. And so I said, but I just got to do it once. And I went, boom, and I remember it went up, and it was amazing. And then just as quickly as it went up, I heard kapunk. And it went perfectly into the gutter. And that was the end of it. And my dad, with a great deal of satisfactions and arms full of groceries, looked at me and said, should have listened. <laughs> there was no rush for the ladder. There was no rescue for the $1.99. It was in the gutter. But my point is, if you don't dust that off, I remember going to my grandmother's house, and she had a giant one that was like the family history Bible. And that one had all the family written in it. And that wasn't the one you read. That was kind of like the, I mean this respectfully, it was like the cartoon version of a Bible. It was huge, you know. <laughs> and it was the one you dust and had the grandfather's picture in it and all that. But it wasn't one you would you'd carry with you. It wasn't something you'd take to bed at night and read through because it would be, you know. <laughs> it, was, it was huge. But there's, there's this version, and for a lot of us that are on your phones or on a tablet or wherever, there, there is no excuse now for having that, that with you, having the Word of God active and present in your life. Taking a minute every day, pick one if you don't have any other direction. Pick one. Read it. It never grows old. And the things that you read in the past that you think you know, now read them as you've grown older. Now read them as situations have changed. And there are words that leap off the page. It's like I had to, I, when I became a chaplain, I didn't realize it was going to be the, hey, you do the family funerals now. And so that's kind of been my, my dad had nine brothers and sisters, so there's big family, all this kind of stuff. But as I was doing these funerals, I realized as I was reading the 23rd Psalm that had spoken to me at my stage of life, I'm looking at the people I'm talking to who are much older, and it's though I walk through the valley and shadow of death. That word through leaps off the page. It's not a lingering place. You don't hang out. You don't stay. It's through. You go through the situation that you're in. You come out on the other side. Jesus is there to welcome you. We're in this for the through. We're not in it to linger in the, in the horrible state that we find ourselves in sometimes, but the through. But again, you don't know that unless you dust this off. You don't know that unless you exercise the power that's in the scripture. The number of promises in the Bible, 3,573. 
the number of miracles. This is Jesus. This isn't signs, wonders, splitting of sea, those sorts of things. This is Jesus, miracles, 37. The number of commandments and the number of times God did not keep his promise, zero. There isn't even a maybe or possibly one, zero. 100% faithful. And the one name above all names that gives you as a believer the real power and authority in faith, the only living Savior, the only one risen from the dead, the only one who's sitting on the right hand of the Father, Jesus. But do we understand what that means? We talk and we pray for salvation, but beyond salvation, do you know what you've got? Do you understand what happens when you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior? We talk about eternity, that we've, we've built the bridge now, that, that our future isn't gloom and doom and an empty hole in a graveyard. It is eternity. It is the promise of life everlasting. But do you know what it gives you today? Do you know what it gives you today? When I go to these weird venues and whatnot, they're all about security. They're all about security. And the first thing they give us is, like this one, is, I picked this old one up. This was from Clemson, and it says, all access, right? So you put this around your neck, and then when you go up to these big, big guys at the gates that don't want to let you in, you just go like that, and you can go anywhere. You can go in the locker room. You can go talk to a player. You can go anywhere you want to go. Here you go. Because of this, I got access. When you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, the power in the name of Jesus gives you all access to every single one of those promises. All 3,573 are yours. You got all access. In the name of Jesus, you have all access. So what makes faith powerful? It's the name of Jesus. He makes the impossible possible. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also greater works than these because I go to the Father. Basically, he's saying, look, I've come. I've died for you. I've resurrected. I've given you the opportunity to, to connect with the power of God himself. And greater things that I have done, you will do in my name. You got an all-access path. You got access to God the Father. You got access in the name of Jesus to go anywhere you want. How many of us have gone someplace and we say, well, and somebody's standing there like, no, you can't get in. Well, uh, a buddy said I should come. Oh, okay. Because they know him, they let you in. Because you know him, you get in. You got access. You got access to miracles and wonders. You got access to power and authority. This is small, it's on purpose. If you read and dust that off, those 37 miracles of Jesus, I'll narrow it down for you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You want to know? Because if you believe in Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, you now have all access to do far more than he did because he said it so. That's a promise, it's a guarantee. It's part of your package. I love it when you buy something, and they say, oh, well, you also get, and they start handing out all the benefits that you get with your stuff. Here's your extra benefit. Know these. You're sick? Guess what? Half of these are healing the blind, healing the sick, lift the, the lame. Hey, it's too late. The dead rose. Hey, 
they are sad. It talks in here about he, the crippled woman. Can you imagine that she was feeling really happy? Or the blind man who sat on the side of the road as the crowd gathered around him for Jesus to go by. And they were pushing him out of the way because he's always in the way. He's always sitting in the same spot. Jesus! Over the crowd going, hey, ho, they're the fans. And in the middle of all that, he hears that voice crying out. He stops. And that man's life changed. What did he do when his life changed? When in an instant he was healed. When in an instant he could walk. In an instant the blind man could see. In all of these instances, the next step is very much the same. What do they do? They followed Jesus. They took off. They said, let's go. I'm following Jesus. This is powerful. But you have to understand, it is not the what that makes faith powerful. You watch the news, it's all about the what. What do they do next? It's the who that makes your faith powerful. What's in a name? I saw this in a, one of those craft shops, and it's somewhere between weird and creepy, but I just thought to myself, Jesus being reduced to the, the kitschiness of the, the lawn chair in the backyard. If you want to sit with Jesus, there's, this will help you do that. Just as easy. Already paid for. Uh, anyway, what's in a name? The demons in the New Testament are called legion because of their numbers. Satan, the, mean, the meaning of Satan is adversary or opponent. And many have reduced the name of Jesus to a curse word. I can't tell you how many times in a week I hear somebody use his name as a curse word. I have one guy that I worked with out in California, and he would say it all the time. And it's something about when you say Jesus and you love him. And then you hear somebody say Jesus Christ, and it has this complete iteration of almost, it's worse to me than any of the other words out there, honestly, when you're using it in that context. And I've gotten to where now, when he says that, I just go really kind of comically. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, look, the maker of the heavens and the earth is probably really, really accurate with a lightning bolt, but I'm going to slide to the side, all right? Because he does it so often. But if you knew the power that was connected to that name, that is the last choice you would use as a curse word. The name of Jesus is far more powerful than any word in any language. Every language has a translation for the name of Jesus. So what does it mean? More than 220 scriptural references talk about the power of the name of Jesus. I'm just going to share a couple of them with you today. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You don't need to fear hell. You don't need to fear demons. You don't need to watch the ghost hunter show and wonder if something's creepy in your house. In Jesus' name, you have authority over it all. I love how it says, on heaven, 
and on earth and under the earth. Do you live a life of authority? You have been given the all-access pass. If you've been accepted, if you accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, you have authority. Do you live like it? Do you act like it? Do you exercise that authority? Does that mean you're going around going in Jesus' name and Jesus' name? No. When you pray, there's a power in your prayer that comes from the name of Jesus. It is not a salutation. It is not sincerely, comma, hope to see you soon, comma, talk to you later. When I pray for my parents, God, heal them, touch them. In Jesus' name, what I'm saying is I'm praying what I know to pray. You know what my heart is saying. Apply the power of Jesus and do your thing because I may not know what the thing is. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you are giving yourself the option to not have all the answers. We pray like we should have them. We try to be as eloquent as possible so we'll know exactly what to say and when to say it. So that somehow, if it all lines up and gets in a special sentence, that it is the one that broke through. When truthfully, all I needed to say is, Jesus! I'm like the guy climbing on the curb. I can't walk. I can't get there. I don't know where I need to be or how I need to get there. But I do know who can get me there. Jesus! When I was in the Philippines, I may have told the story, so forgive me if I repeat myself. <clears throat> it had a huge impact on my life. But you know, the guy, Nick, that, right, the pastor there, it was the first time I'd ever been on a, in the mission field, and we were out in the middle of Pangasinan, Philippines. Basically, go to the middle of nowhere, take a left, and go about 100 miles. And so we're walking down a dirt road, and uh, forgive me if I've told this before, but we're walking down a dirt road. I was maybe 22. Never been in a third world country before. Nick and a couple other people were with me. Not this Nick, but that pastor. And uh, anyway, I'm walking down the dirt road and there was all these, there would be like bananas and all sorts of crazy stuff growing. And then there was like a thatch huts, a little pile of thatch huts. And I'd have to say between here and you know the old municipal building, I see somebody come out and beyond the trees, they lean out and they look. And then they go back. And I'm like, well, that was kind of weird. And I keep walking. Then she comes back, and there's two people leaning out over the trees, and they're looking. Okay, and you can see them in a frantic, having a conversation. They go back. And I'm walking forward, and I'm thinking, okay, well, are they thinking I had thought to my, I had already encountered kids kind of going, you know, because I was obviously not tan as everybody else. And um, so I thought, well, maybe they're just amazed that this crazy white woman is walking down the road in the middle of the banana field. When I get up to the house, the lady comes, all these ladies come out, and, and Nick speaks to Gallic, and they're on and on and on and on and on, and I don't know what they're saying, and he says, hey, they want you, they, they want you to come, they want you to come, and I was like, why? <laughs> and he said, look, uh, and the lady starts talking frantically, and, and he's slowing her down to translate for me, and he said, she was praying for God to please send someone to pray for them. The, the father was very sick. And they've been praying, God, please send someone. Please send someone to pray for us. Please send someone to help us. And she said in a dream, in the dream, she looked down the road and she saw a white woman coming. And she didn't know what it was, but apparently whatever I had on, she saw. 
And she said, and when I saw you coming down the road, I, I knew that that was God's promise being fulfilled. I, I had no idea. What she didn't know is that the six months earlier when she was having that dream, I was still uncertain if I was going to go. It's taking a lot of courage and money and everything else. I didn't know what I was doing. I was reading all these books at the time because I wanted to know, how do you pray for the sick? And, and I was all bent out of shape on, well, there must be like this way to do it. So let me read because I don't want to mess it up and, and I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to go and pray. I always, I've always had an empathetic thing. Me and my grandmother, she was on death's door. She was in ICU. They call the family into North Carolina. We'd always been very close. I asked if I could go see her. I'm like 12 or 13. Can I go see her? And they said, well, yeah, but you know, all this mumbo jumbo medical stuff. I said, well, I just need to see her. So I get in there. I'm in ICU. We're in a little bubble all by ourselves. And I grab her hand and I start to pray. She wakes up. She looks at me. She sits up in bed and we start telling jokes because that's what we always did. And the doctor comes in and he says, oh my gosh, what's going on? So we're telling jokes. Well, she's not supposed to be talking. Well, well I, think we're, I think things are better now. <laughs> I was just young enough to think, God, all, I was still at that age where all things are possible. I hadn't been tainted by life and disappointment. I hadn't run, a, run aground in my thought process to stop believing. I wasn't embarrassed to ask. I didn't care the doctor was looking. All those inhibitions were gone. You grow into all that stuff. But I didn't know. Meanwhile, here we are years later. I'm standing in this little thatch hut. And the lady says, no, 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 you must come, you must come, you must come, 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 come. And I go in the little hut, and it smells horrible. The guy has been in there for maybe three or four months. It is obvious. You, you know that smell. I didn't know. I was very intimidated. I had read all this stuff. I'd even brought the books on the plane. All I can remember doing is when I got there, I remember going, Jesus, help him, Jesus, help him. How inadequate. Help him, Jesus, help him. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what was wrong. I didn't know how to specifically pray. I didn't know. I was afraid to pray, God, bring a doctor, because I knew there weren't any. God, take him to a hospital. There weren't any. God, give him fresh water. There wasn't any. There were so many things that I didn't even know how to begin because the, the, the resources were not there for the normal. I remember all I could pray was, God, help him. God, help him. She had a dream. I'd walk down a road. I had a dream that I'd walk on the road. So here we are. All of our stuff's coming together. The timing seems to be right. Jesus, help him. And I remember as I was praying for him, I said, God, please help him, Jesus. Help him. I remember opening one eye, kind of looking to see, okay, what's God doing? Because <laughs> I'm really curious. But my expectation was high. I knew too many things had happened to get me to that point. Too many things that happened to get them to that point. We were all converging in a moment. Something was going on. Old lady told me once, God may be slow, but he's never late. Okay. So I said, amen, 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 amen. And I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and I don't want to be disappointed. I don't see a whole lot happening, but I don't want to be So I'm like, okay, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I go to walk out the thing. And as I'm walking out the little hut, I hear this noise happening behind me. And I'm like, now, it's either them shoving me out the house or something good's happening. I'm not sure. But I remember I turned around, and as I turned around, the man greeted me. He was standing right behind me, trying to go, thank you. And his family was behind him, cheering and celebrating. And this has nothing to do with me. This is all Jesus. Let me, let me rephrase this. I was completely inadequate for this situation, okay? I couldn't speak the language. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to pray. I had nothing, but I had everything. 
I had the name of Jesus. I had that. I had him. He was with me. Thank goodness, because in and of myself, that would have been a huge zero moment, okay? So he walks out the house. When he walks out the little hut in that little village, the whole village knew his dire situation. They all knew how sick he'd been. Church happened. In a matter of minutes, we had two, 300 people that came out of the woodwork, quite literally, the woods, the, the plantation, the bananas, wherever. Boom, there was church. There was revival. Something took place because they knew of his illness. They knew they tried everything. Meanwhile, I'm looking around their yard and I see little statues with little pieces of fruit laying at the bottom of them. Because when you don't know how to pray and you don't know Jesus, that's what you do. You set fruit to rot among starving children and hope God will accept it as a sacrifice. That day was a changing day for them and that day was a changing day for me. But that all came because Jesus is Lord and personal Savior. He can do all things. Me, and my, me, myself, and I, nothing. But Jesus can do all things. That same capacity is in you. That same capacity is in you. Now, I know I've heard people say, but I've prayed, and what if I prayed for someone and I believed, and then they still die? You know, we, at those points, we have to be mature enough to understand that God knows better than we do. That when you're asking Jesus, you are asking. You're not directing. You're not telling him how to do it. You're acknowledging your need for him. You're acknowledging that he can do far more than you can ask or think he can do. Thank goodness it's not up to me to come up with the plan. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do for the Father so that the Father may be glorified. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. The 72 returned with joy, singing, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I want so desperately to get on one of them Ghostbuster shows where all these guys, oh, and I want to go, Jesus, your show's over. <laughs> Man, that'll be the shortest show on Discovery Channel. Oh my gosh, we've, we've detected an aberration. We see... Oh, there, there's light. There, it's the flashlight, but there's light in our camera. Oh, my gosh. There could be. I want so desperately just to tune in. Jesus! Every time I see that show, I have to do that same exact thing. Because <laughs> oh I'm like, man, roll credits. Jesus. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. We're finished. Show's over. Season's finished. And if you say the word of Jesus in your own home, you'll have no need to call us and film a show. All right. While you stretch out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders are performed through the name of Jesus, your holy servant. Basically, it's telling, this is carrying on that concept that whatever he has done, you will also do. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Everyone. It doesn't say some, doesn't say a few, doesn't say if you get it right, doesn't say if you, you're the right height, if you do this, if you do that. No, it says anyone calls on the name of Jesus. There's that power of that word again. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous man runs into it and is safe. Jesus, protect me. I don't know how many times I've been in crazy situations where all I can think of to say in my mind is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. And sometimes it gets comical. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> You're looking in your rear view, you're looking in your side view, and you know you're in the wrong neighborhood, something shouldn't be going on, you shouldn't be in this place. But you know in your heart, 
God's going to direct you. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Can you outrun the love of God? Can you out-ask God? If it's true that far more than you can ask or think, which I love that scripture. I also love Jeremiah 33, 3. Call on me, I will answer you. And then it goes one step further. And show you great and mighty things you know not. Things you didn't even think about to pray. God wants to show you. And Jesus came and he said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He has now given it to you. So Jesus is salvation. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That one we've heard a thousand times. But that eternal life begins the minute you confess him as Lord and personal Savior. We keep thinking that we have to wait until we pass to the other side to get the power that comes from the name of Jesus, to experience the power of eternity. You get that now. You get that now. And then Peter said, silver or gold, I, you know, I don't have any of that, but what I have I can give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And by faith in the name of Jesus, the man who you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given his complete healing. And now you all can see it. Somebody they knew and they were familiar with, just like this old guy in the hut. And then God does something big. And then Peter was very careful to say, it's the name of Jesus that changed the scenario. It was not me. So when you're by yourself and you have that alone moment and you're pressing the world out, what is Jesus? who is Jesus to you? What does his voice sound like? Who is he? Who is he to you? Is he, is he someone who corrects or is he someone who encourages? Is he someone who empowers or is he he's someone who condemns? Who is he to you? Get that connection straight. Dust off the book. Find the power and all the promises. Make them yours. Own them. They're yours. They're yours. Own them. But you've got to make some decisions. You've got to understand who he is and all the complexities of who Jesus is and all the things that he brings to the table and all the places that he wants to insert himself into your life, which is everywhere. But you have to figure out who is that personal Jesus to you. Is, that a, is it that encouraging voice that says you can do all things? Or is it something deep in your heart that says, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And if that's the case, if you're at that place where, hey, I'm not worthy, then you need to look a little deeper because there are promises in there that say, hey, it's not about your worthiness. It's about your willingness. It's not about what you've done. It's about your decision. The forgiveness is new every day. It says his mercies are new every morning. We blow it on a daily basis, but the option to say, Lord, please forgive me, is always there. So I thought, well, let me put a little commercial together and let's see if maybe we'd do better at understanding him if we, we did. We looked at our little commercial. Let's see this. So Jesus is. You gotta make a decision. You gotta understand, he is the Holy One. The King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Lamb of God sent to be slain as a sacrifice for us. He is the Prince of Peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. He is the light of the world in a dark age that we live in. He is our Messiah come. He is our Redeemer. 
and he loves us and delivers us from sin. He's the good shepherd that protects us from the edge. He's the Lord of all. But on that daily, personal basis, he's the counselor. He hears your cries. He knows your heart. He wants to teach you how to live your life. He wants to help you understand that he's the great physician and no disease is more powerful than him. He is the everlasting, always a father to us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He loves us so much. He is the king of the kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the savior of the world, and he loves you. Does that commercial help you know who he is? That's who he is to me, and that's who I want him to be to you. Because if you believe all of that, what are you lacking? What do you need? What's hurt? What's missing? Are you sick? For me, I pray for my kids. I pray for Nicholas and all the children around the world that I've encountered. What do you need? Is it a job? Is it money? Is it peace? Is it love? Is it patience? What do you need? What do you need? Don't be afraid to ask him more. Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I'm not messing with that anymore. <laughs> I invite you to please take a little ball of Zectron home with you for your children and your reminder that God is powerful and He loves you. Put those together. Amen. Buddy? You know how bad I want to try to throw one of these balls against it. Man, did you guys enjoy that? Every time she does something, she goes, come on, baby. Man, what a blessing. What a blessing. You know, as uh, we get ready to bring this a little bit closer, it's really beginning to look again. It's beginning for you to take a look and say, hey, yes, I